Hey there, and welcome to Queer I Am Lord, a brand new show where two or more gather in God's name to Kiki. I'm Jorge Olivares of HeyJorge.com, and today I'm joined by fellow Catholic Elizabeth Sullivan. Now, Elizabeth is a queer Catholic in the Colorado area, which we had a chance to talk about very briefly before we got started. But she's also a podcaster, somebody who has talked openly about a variety of different topics. Um, and I'm hoping to kind of get her take on one of the greatest topics of all, which is uh, how do you find this intersection between spirituality and sexuality, if at all? And uh, I'm going to try my best to use the right amount uh, or the appropriate language for this because she has a degree in linguistics. And I think that's really <laughs> cool. Uh, so Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me here to, to have this really cool, fruitful conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jorge. So I want to talk actually about the linguistics part because I think a lot can be said about the power of language for both of these things, right? For both queerness and spirituality. Um, so before we get into kind of the nitty gritty of those two directions, um, what is it about linguistics and kind of what that all entails that really drew your interest and made you want to pursue a master's degree in that? Uh, so linguistics at its core is the study of how language works. And uh, that's what drew me into it. Uh, I mean, in my undergrad, I took you know, a linguistics course to fulfill a core requirement and really fell in love with it. Um, the way different languages are put together, the way they use uh, words and sounds to make meaning. Uh, it interested me. And uh, from there, I got deeper and deeper into uh, the nitty gritty of uh, morphology and phonology and uh, all of the <laughs> All, all of the different areas within linguistics. And I, by the end of my undergrad, I knew that it was something I wanted to learn more about. So a master's degree it was. <laughs> um, so if we can, if you'll indulge me in talking about this, this notion of the language of, first let's start with Catholicism, because I think for a lot of us, um, even though I will be having conversations with later in life converts to the religion. Um, but for, for the most part, a lot of the people that I've either had a conversation with either for this show or just outside in life, um, most of them have grown up Catholic, was a part of their life since birth. And I, I think that for a lot of us, we needed to have language to describe religion, God and faith way before we needed to have the language to describe queerness to ourselves. Um, was that the case for you? Were you somebody who grew up and, and literally had the church intertwined with your identity as a young person? Uh, yes and no. I, uh, I was a, a cradle Catholic um, and my family has always, I would say, identified as Catholic, um, but we did spend quite a bit of time uh, when I was a kid in the Lutheran church. Um, which was, it's interesting that uh, you talk about language there, because even though we were attending a Lutheran church, um, we, I think my parents still considered us Catholic, um, which uh, <laughs> I don't think I really picked up on as, as a kid. Uh, and then we returned uh, to attending the Catholic church uh, when I was, um, uh, pre-teen-ish, maybe a little younger, uh, and then my family has been Catholic ever since. 
growing up, I learned a lot of different ways of using language to describe religion and my relationship with it um, as we sort of went went back and forth. And I had to sort of relearn the Catholic vocabulary and uh, how things worked in the Catholic church as we transitioned back to uh, it, back to being Catholic. Mm -hmm. I think something can be said about like the desire that we as a society have to compare our fluency levels with language of Catholicism or even language of queerness, where it's like, well, I'm a little more fluent in Catholicism than you are. And that's really unfortunate because everybody comes to religion and faith in, a, in their own unique way. Um, can you talk a little bit about this idea of fluency within Catholicism and, and whether there were times because of the fact that you left for a particular moment in your life and then returned to it, um, that you felt like you weren't fluent in what faith, what you were called to do with your faith life or even what you were called to do um, with anything tied to Catholicism? I would say that actually the biggest area where I had, uh, where I struggled with fluency um, was not even uh, so much when I was a kid and when I was going back to the Catholic church uh, because then my religious vocabulary was still in flux. I was still putting together um, a language for religion, whether it was Lutheran or Catholic. So that wasn't set in stone. Uh, what was more difficult for me was when I started college and I joined the, uh, the local college parish. It was a fairly conservative uh, parish in a very uh, secularly liberal area. Uh, and I was suddenly surrounded by people who had this high level of fluency there were masses said in Latin, <laughs> speaking of language. Um, <laughs> people knew all of the, not only the words and the vocabulary, but um, the history and everything to do with um, orthodoxy was suddenly right in front of my face, whereas it, it hadn't been there as much growing up occasionally in a Lutheran church, um, and even when we were Catholic again, in a Catholic parish that I would not say was super conservative and did not put a high focus on that orthodoxy, um, which I'm not saying is, is a bad thing either way. Mm -hmm. As I joined this a more orthodox community, I felt pressure, whether it was, um, you know, outside or, and from myself uh, to learn that language and to participate in the ritual more heavily um, and to uh, entwine my life more with that community. Was it around this time that you started to hear the inklings of the queerness language start to surface? Um, and if so, how did that complicate uh, this quest for fluency or this quest to be a little more integrated into the community you were a part of? Yes, that was at about exactly the same time. <laughs> um, I had been aware of the queer community throughout high school. Um, I had a lot of friends in the queer community. 
but the beginning of college was when I first realized um, that I might not be straight. <laughs> so yeah, it was, this was at the same time. And I really leaned, at least in my freshman year, more heavily into becoming fluent in conservative Catholicism rather than becoming fluent in my queer identity and the queer community in general. And those, I would say, definitely butted heads. I think it's a struggle, right? When, when something that we're so used to, especially if we've been so involved in Catholicism for a majority of our life, as opposed to our queerness, granted, yes, we are queer from day one, but we don't understand what that looks like or, you know, based off of whatever societal blocks have been put in place to keep us to understanding that queerness. Like for the most part, we are so immersed in Catholicism and our spirituality more so than we are our sexuality. So it makes sense that one would at some point win over another. Um, so at what point did you recognize that, if at all, that they could possibly coexist? And obviously, even with the idea of coexisting, there might be times where one has more power than the other. But at least there's an attempt to see if the two can live at the same time. I would say there was one particular moment. It's, it's funny. It's almost symbolic. My parents lived... Uh, fairly near my college, at least near enough that they could come up and visit. And there was one weekend where um, my mom had come up to visit me uh, for some reason that I can't remember now. Uh, and so she drove me to mass that weekend. And I remember her parking um, and me not getting out of the car and telling her right then and there that I like I had already I had already come out to her up until that point I had I suppose imagined that I could pretend I was straight um and live as if I was straight and I had come to the conclusion that I could no longer do that and um that was when I told her I I don't think I can do that I think I'm you know I think I phrased it to her as maybe try dating girls, but um, uh, it really, it was living as um, an out bisexual person. And uh, yeah, and that took place right outside of the Catholic church. <laughs> um, so uh, I think it wasn't so much realizing that um, I could reconcile the two as saying, well, these are two aspects of my identity. I'm queer and I'm Catholic and they're just going to have to learn to get along. Mm -hmm. I think there's something also to be said about the language that we use to talk about either spirituality or sexuality with our family. Um, I think my parents were, I mean, this, this is most of the case. I had come out to other people in my life before my parents because like every other person who I've spoken to, at least uh, of my generation and from my particular area of the country, like you waited to tell your parents in case you were gonna get disowned, in case the worst possible situation could arise from it. Um, but the way in the, even which I talked to my parents about my gayness, about my, my Catholic affiliation is still very much different than I do with other people in my life. And I'm curious if that, um, aside from this 
anecdote that you shared about your conversation with your mom, like, do you talk differently with your parents or with other family members than you do um, anybody else when it comes to this topic? Uh, yeah, I would say I do, um, partly because they just don't know the language. They are uh, doing their best to learn. My mom recently asked me what queer meant uh, <laughs> because she was she was explaining it to a friend and uh, wanted to ask if she had the definition right. Of course, it's very different from how I talk to other people in the queer community who know all of the language and not just the vocabulary, but how to use it. With the language I use for religion, I think that's a very different thing because my parents are not only very religious, they do have language for a wide variety of religious experiences and religious beliefs. And though they're, they're both Catholic, they're able to sort of have the, if, if, even if they're not fluent in the language of other belief systems, they have the ability to uh, take in vocabulary and ways of speaking about religion that are not necessarily what you would here in a Catholic church, it's easier to um, talk about religious things with them when uh, even outside of Orthodox Catholicism, I'd say. Uh, I hope you don't mind. I'm literally going to take this language thing and run with it because I think it's fascinating the ways in which we <laughs> could kind of incorporate into so many different talking points. But what is it like when you try to talk to other queer folks? Because you said that obviously the language in which you communicate with other queer folks is gonna be different than it is with your parents, um, even when it comes to the issue of sexuality. But how about when it comes to the issue of spirituality with your queer friends? Um, especially if these are people who are no longer associated with any particular religion, any particular institution, is it easy to have that conversation with people who, who either think that you are misaligned by still practicing um, or who just have doubts as to why you would make a decision to still be Catholic? Within my queer friends, I know everyone from people who have completely disavowed religion um, because of the trauma they've experienced um, to people who, like me, are still religious and struggling in that to people who were never religious at all, to people who sort of stopped practicing religion and uh, for reasons completely unrelated to their queerness. I talk about religion and, uh, and queerness as it relates to religion with them in different ways, depending on each person's situation. I luckily haven't encountered many people closely who I don't understand why I'm still in the Catholic church. And I think that's a good thing because I don't even know if I could give them a good explanation other than it's my home. I don't want to abandon it. Yeah, I, I use slightly different language 
with many different people. Uh, and a lot of the time, um, at least with my particular friends, I, uh, I explain things through the lens of fiction. Um, I write, I'm a, a DM for our Dungeons and Dragons group and everything I write has a strong religious lens as well as a strong queer lens. And I think that helps explain my relationship with religion, whether my friends, religious and not, have the same experience as me, um, they can at least understand the stories I'm telling. Let's talk a little bit about the written word and kind of using it as a conduit to be able to express yourself in ways that might be a little more difficult vocally. Um, uh, just give us a sense as to what started that and, and, and the joys that you get from, from writing. Uh, well, I've always been a writer from the time I could write. <laughs> uh, it's only been recently that I've become really invested in writing fiction that I would like uh, people to see someday, that I'd like to, uh, that I'd like to publish someday. It's always been a way for me to connect with other people. Um, I often I write things collaboratively. Um, and it's also always been a way for me to explore um, often queerness, often religion. Almost everything that I write has something to do with both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, if it's ever present, how can we not, right? How can we not find a way to, to incorporate into other things that we really care about? Exactly. Uh, those two things are two of the most important parts of me. So if I'm, if I'm writing anything, even if it's from a fictional character's perspective, uh, that's, that's sort of the angle I want to take and uh, explore how those things intertwine and the possibilities there as well as the roadblocks. Mm -hmm. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you said when you were, when you were gauging your interest in linguistics, that part of it was you had a fascination about phonology. Is that even the right word, phonology? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, did I just make up this word? Um, but I'm curious, uh, when you think about the word queer, what are a lot of the things that come up with in your head, either with the, just about how it, where it comes from, the origins of it, anything? Like, how, from a linguistic standpoint, do you, do you look at that word? That's a really interesting question, especially because there's uh, so much current like online discourse around the word queer um, and who can use it and whether it should be used at all and whether it's a slur. Um, and I think that all goes into uh, my objective thoughts on it, which I think are different from my subjective thoughts. Like my objective thoughts have to do with the really the history of the word and how it's been used in uh, not only in queer communities but in the in wider society with um, like it being used in queer studies and even media like Queer Eye, 
But from a personal standpoint, the fact that it is so all-encompassing for the community is something that I very much see as important. And I think that micro-labels, we might call them, uh, can be equally as important and incredibly useful and uh, to individuals and uh, communities within the queer community. Uh, but queer as a word, it doesn't exclude anyone. And that's what I love most about it. <laughs> um, that, uh, and it also resists explanation. Uh, so I can say I'm queer and then I don't have to explain all of the facets of my queer identity which also from a religious perspective is, is nice because I don't have to uh, figure out all of the steps as to whether I'm currently living in mortal sin. Um, the jury's <laughs> still out on that one, honestly. <laughs> that's, that's so um, I can just say that I, I'm queer and skip all of the... Uh, this specific language around um, I, either micro labels on the one side or all of the language surrounding same sex attraction and all of that on mm -hmm. the other side. And how about the word God? I think that's a lot, that's a much more difficult question difficult and much simpler. I once saw from a, a Jewish scholar I follow, um, uh, Rabbi Danya Ruttenberg, um, that the, the pronoun for God is God. And that's really stuck with me. In the Catholic church, there always feels to be so much emphasis on, um, now I'm, I'm talking a little bit more about the gender side of queerness that um, that uh, a God is masculine father son and even the masculinity and the masculine uh, pronouns associated in the Catholic Church with the Holy Spirit you know that that always sort of rubbed me the wrong way as a, a queer Catholic woman um, having all forms of God, be associated with masculinity uh, was sometimes difficult for me, um, especially when that leads to the exclusion of women from the priesthood. Using other gendered terms and expanding the gender definition of God also never sat right with me personally. Um, I know it really works for a lot of people um, talking about God as mother instead of father or talking about um, the spirit as a feminine force. I never exactly felt like I needed that in my personal spirituality and belief. I need a spiritual mother. As a Catholic, I have Mary. I 
like better removing gender from the equation and calling God, God, even though presumably, um, though we can't know for certain, Jesus incarnate experienced human gender, God, God's self is ungendered. I can't say exactly what that means because I'm not God <laughs> um, and I'm not a, you know, a, um, a theologian. But in terms of that, the word God, it's one that I'll come back to over any other words for the deity that I believe in. It actually makes things simple, even though um, I don't know whether a lot of, you know, priests would agree with me. I appreciate you kind of indulging me in these exercises because I think it's a fascinating way to approach language, but also within these constructs of spirituality and sexuality that we think we all understand, but maybe don't quite do. Um, so thank you for, for doing that. Um, I want to end by asking you if you feel so comfortable to sharing how people can listen to your podcast, how people can follow you so they can maybe make friends with another queer Catholic um, who's also trying to live day to day as we all do. Yeah, my podcast is called Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being. Um, I host it with uh, Liz Kostrak and you can find that at uh, anchor.fm slash look how sane um it's it's a wild ride definitely <laughs> um i don't talk about religion too much on there but i definitely talk about media and queerness in media um so uh if you're into that definitely check it out nice um, and I want to end by saying, Elizabeth, not only thank you for, for joining me, but peace be with you. And with your spirit.